if you're someone who doesn't believe in therapy or you're in a relationship with someone that doesn't believe in it or your parents don't believe it or your community doesn't believe it, like, just know that, like, just because they don't believe doesn't mean it's not helpful and it's Mm -hmm. not, like, a real thing. Yeah. Because as much as people don't admit it, like, we all need a little therapy in our life, regardless if it's, like, a professional or within, like, a friend group or community. Like, we all lean on someone to provide us with validation, to provide us with insight, to provide us with with relief, with relief. And for me, I've just seen it as like, I'm going to this professional who studied like the human mind and how like humans work. And there's, they have the terminology for me that I might not. Right. And so going to these, these places where like, I'm going to tell you all this stuff and you're going to help me put the pieces together for my life. Like that's beautiful. If you think about it. It is, and once yeah. you start building on that, like for me, it's it's clarity. I've I've learned so much about myself in the last four years that I have my whole life because I've dealt with my shit, and yeah. I've been able to talk to someone who can put give me the the toolkit and the and the labels and all the shit that I needed to like find like truth in myself. Thank you for joining us. You are now tuned into Trish Chat, a series that aims to normalize vulnerability through conversation. Our episodes promote meaningful dialogue around identity, culture, and real life stories. We are your hosts, Steph and Jess, and everything you'll hear in our episodes are based on personal experiences. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Trish Chat, or welcome to Trish Chat. My name is Steph, and I am here with Jess. Hey everyone. If you are brand new to Trish Chat, welcome. We are the two co-hosts, um, two queer women of color trying to live their best lives. And we created this podcast to normalize vulnerability and talk about some deep stuff and provide the tools and resources that we've come to um, know and that we think that other folks should have as well. So if this is your first time listening and you like what you hear, go on iTunes and rate us. As Jess says, five stars, please. (laughs) Five stars with a nice little comment. (laughs) That always makes us feel warm and fuzzy. Yes. Yeah. If you could do that, that'd be really awesome. (laughs) (laughs) It's like she's speaking right to you. Like exactly. when people review us and rate us, like that's how we grow our podcast. That's how we become more known. That's how we grow on the list of, um, I think we're categor- categorized under self-improvement. That's how we grow in that category. And we continue to be seen by more and more people. And if we want to reach more people, our listeners who know us best have to advocate and, you know, speak for us. So yes, please get on there five stars, share on all social media. Yes. That's my blurb for today. I'm not laughing at you. I'm laughing because I've developed this new, it's not new. I've always had this um, habit where throughout the workday, mm-hmm. I always am putting on like chapstick mm-hmm. or lip balm mm-hmm. just to keep my lips moisturized. Yeah. Maybe it's because I have to do so much talking at work. Yeah. And so 
most of the time people just like I'm in a meeting and I'm putting on chapstick while I'm talking or something. <laughs> and I've taken this habit on because I'm working from home. Mm-hmm. I've taken this habit on to my home life now. So I'm sitting here as Jess is talking, putting lip balm on. But I realized that I took so much <laughs> that I look like I'm using that lip gloss that they used to sell at the beauty supply that came in red yep. and clear. Your lips look popping. They're going to be moisturized the whole episode. I'm ready to talk. (laughs) All right. Drop it. Today we're going to talk about therapy. That was a segue. (laughs) Wow. Okay. That's it. Today we're going to talk. Today we're going to talk about therapy. And therapy has done so much for my personal growth and my mental health. And it has given me the tools to be able to put a label to what I'm feeling and to also have the tools to, um, or a framework to be able to process the things that I'm feeling or the things that I'm going through. And I know that there is a lot of stigma out there about therapy or, and probably curiosity about Mm -hmm. therapy, but in many ways therapy is not accessible because some of the, some of like the best therapists or the therapists that look like you or their bio um, speaks to you. Sometimes their fees are um, not sustainable Mm -hmm. for you to have sort of a long-term relationship with them. So I think that there's, from what I, from the people that I've spoken to, I think there's a curiosity about it, but there's this, um, sometimes financial roadblock, but also this like just mental roadblock of like, it's going to be weird. I'm going to talk to this person. I I feel like there's a picture of like someone sitting with glasses judging you and, Mm -hmm. and then a little notebook and for everything you say, they just like write it down in a judgmental way. So I'm hoping that this episode will answer questions, break stigmas, and help people do something about that curiosity. Um, and so that's why we're talking about therapy. Is yeah. that a better segue? I'm, I'm excited. Yes, you got me. You captured my attention. You know. <laughs> um, so I'm a big proponent of therapy, but I didn't grow up really seeing people talk or listening to people talk about therapy. It wasn't something that was mentioned a lot as a tool for processing trauma or feelings. And so my understanding of therapy when I was younger was like, it's something for people who have gone through something like incredibly traumatic mm-hmm. or who are um, working through um, their mental health. But to me, mental health wasn't something that applied to everyone, that term. Mm-hmm. Mental health was like, oh, you're in like a deep depression. Oh, you're... Yeah. Um, you are working through like bipolar um, disorder. You're working through like a bunch of different 
things that have like stigmas attached to them. Mm-hmm. I didn't see mental health as like, I'm just trying to make sure that I'm in a good place and working through my traumas that I have because I'm a human and right. I was raised by other humans. So I, I, I have that. Yeah. So I, one, didn't really know about therapy firsthand. And part of that also has to do with the fact that I grew up in a predominantly immigrant neighborhood. So there was a ton of um, Dominicans, Puerto Ricans, and Mexicans. And they were trying to, you know, work to provide for their families. And so when you're working to provide for your family and you don't have a ton of disposable income and you don't know about therapy and therapy is not accessible, it just doesn't exist as something in your mind as a toolkit. So my conceptions of therapy or misconceptions of therapy came from what I saw in the media or maybe from what I heard like a couple of people say here and there. Um, So I've grown to understand so much more about it by being in therapy. Mm -hmm. But I wanted to just put that out there because I want people to understand that if you are like listening to this right now and that's the conception that you have of it as well, or the percept, the perception that that's the word I was looking for, the perception that you have of um, therapy, that it's okay, right? Like it doesn't mean that that's a huge block or barrier for you. I was there too. And I now think of it in a completely different way. I don't know if that was the same way that you mm-hmm. saw therapy when you were yeah, that was a, that was honestly like the exact same way. Um, my only um, idea of therapy came from like movies and television and all those things, and it's it was usually portrayed as something for people who had intense things going on, mm-hmm. like what you expressed, um, or they would use terms like shrink. And yeah. like crazy. Yeah. And, and those type of words attached to it and um not really breaking down how like there's different types of doctors. Yeah. Like there's psychologists, psychiatrists, Licensed things like social that, workers. Things like that. And um I just have this like image of like every movie done in America of someone laying on a couch talking mm-hmm. to a therapist. Mm-hmm. And that was it. That was it. Like it wasn't talked about in my family. It was that language just was never taught to me. Yeah. And so my idea of that was just what I saw on, on, on TV. Um, and so I never really thought about it as something that as a tool. Right. Which I see it as now. Um, right. So I'm excited to kind of dive into um, our journey with therapy and starting from here, because I think that this is super helpful for people, um, especially people of color and the people in our communities. Um, because I think it's still very taboo to talk about and, um, yeah. So I'm just excited for how it's going to potentially help people see it in a different way. And hopefully encourage people to get curious about it or mm-hmm. talk about it um, yeah. with, with their communities. Yeah. 
Um, and I, I laugh because I always said that the first time that I went to therapy was in my, in like my mid twenties or something, but it actually wasn't. I saw a therapist in college one time and I was trying to like run for the hills because I was just like, I still, I still had that stigma in my mind. And so just being in the therapist's office, it's like, I don't need this. Like, this is yeah. not a resource that I need. Right. Um, I remember I had like a really bad anxiety attack mm -hmm. and or panic attack. And it was recommended that I see a therapist to process like my anxiety and whatnot. And I went and the, the therapist was like asking me questions and whatnot. And I was just very closed off because because of several reasons. One, because in hindsight, I didn't want to be looked at as someone who went to see a therapist mm -hmm. because of the stigma. And two, because I didn't want to be quote unquote, like diagnosed. Mm -hmm. um, because I didn't, I never thought that you could go to therapy for anxiety. Yeah. And I'm sure you didn't even want to like express yourself to a stranger that. Yeah. I mean, and there, there's a, there's a lot of stuff that, that, that required unlearning, right? Like mm -hmm. even if I had gone to therapy because they, they, they said, Hey, it sounds like you're, you know, going through like an episode of bipolar disorder or something like that. Yeah. Right. Like that's still okay. You know, like that doesn't make you any less of a person, Yeah. but there was still that, that fear of like, well, I don't, we, I don't want to be diagnosed with anything mm -hmm. when all I was going for was anxiety. Mm -hmm. So I spoke to that person once and I never went back again. And I was like, I, do, I don't even want to remember that that ever happened. Mm -hmm. So that was like my first encounter. My second encounter mm -hmm. was um, after I had come out and I can't remember if I had stop talking to my parents at that point. Um, I think you did. Or if I had already, like I wrote my mom a letter and all this stuff. Yeah. Um, I can't remember at what point it was, mm -hmm. but one of my best friends actually recommended, mm -hmm. I, I think this person, um, where she asked for recommendations and this person was recommended. So I would go see this therapist and he would just ask me questions and I would talk about my day and I would talk about all this stuff. And then I was like, okay. Like I, I remember sending him an email or telling him, I can't remember exactly what it was, but I was just like, this is not working out. Like all I'm doing is going to and talking. This, mm -hmm. this is just not working out. Um, I don't think we should continue. And I remember that he sent me a long email about his, his, his method and how this was part of his method, which is, that's part of therapy. You're going to have to, you're right. going to have to do most of the talking. Right. I just, did, I, I had this conception in my mind at the point where I was finally 20 something and I went to go see this therapist that I was going to go and be like, I have anxiety and I'm also depressed because of the things going on with my family. In three bullet points, this is it. And that the, the, the therapist is going to be like, okay, great. Here are these five things for you right, to, um, quick fixes. Yeah. To handle this. And you should be, um, done with that. Right. Like I had gone in with that 
other misconception and then been like, we're not going to continue because this doesn't seem to be yeah. the right fit. So that was and, my first journey. Into but it also might therapy. have not been the right, like, at the time, it, it definitely might have wasn't what, the right fit. You know what I mean? But, but I think for you, it was more that like, you had no experience with that. So you didn't even know how to navigate that relationship and, and putting forth what you were actually looking for. But I also think it wasn't the right fit. So I think yeah, a I lot mean, of things existed at once during that. But having gone through therapy now and having been to see a number of therapists, I recognize that it's incredibly important for me to um, see a therapist that identifies as female mm -hmm. um, because I think it's important for them to be able to have those experiences that I've had navigating the world as a woman. Yeah. Um, but it's even more important for me, for my therapist to be a woman of color. Yeah. I think we should, uh, hold off on getting onto that part. I think we should talk more about those are tips and things that I think we can definitely get into, but I think you should continue with your journey. My journey. Uh, so you, you saw a therapist in college. How old would you say you were at that point? Like 21, 21. And then a few years later, but I was like tw 24, maybe you went back. And then there was a break there. Then there was a break. And then I, I started going to therapy more consistently at like 27. And so I've been going to a therapist for the past four to three different therapists for the past four years. Got it. Got it. So I got some skin in the game, as they say. <laughs> yes. What you, does that even mean? You you have some experience. There it is. No skin in. <laughs> what does that even mean? Where did that come from? Skin. You know what? <laughs> I need to I need to investigate this saying and see if where it come from and if if it's an appropriation or something. Yeah, so you should probably look I'm into just gonna that. say I have experience. <laughs> um, you do have some experience under your belt when it comes to the therapy. I think for me. Uh, it was relatively similar, I guess, in, in, in regards to the experience, but, um, I didn't go to my first therapist until college. I likely was around 19, 20. Um, and that came about because I was going through a really hard time in a relationship that I was in and I didn't know how to navigate it. Um, I was in the middle of like, I had come to terms with the fact that I was gay. I have, I came out to a couple of friends. I had still not come out to my family yet, but I was out and about in school. I was dating this person for some time. Um, and their family was not about us and that caused a lot of turmoil for us. And so, you know, it got really bad. Like I was in a really depressive state and it was my old, um, manager at the time who has been going to therapy his whole life. This is like a 60 something year old man, yeah, yeah, yeah. um, from Ithaca, New York, who was just like, he could see the pain in me and he was yeah. trying to be there for me in every way he could, but he knew that like I needed more. And yeah. so he, he basically normalized therapy for me. Like he was so vulnerable with me and he was just like, Hey, I've been through my share of shit and I go to therapy because I like, I need to like an outlet and it's just helpful for me to be able yeah. to like do that. And I, and I thought that I was so brave of him to do that with like one of his employees, um, who he saw was having a hard time and needed a vulnerable voice. Yeah. And so he made that suggestion and he actually recommended me to this 
school social worker. I think she was a social worker. And he's like, just, you know, he, he made a soft intro. Um, he actually walked me to her office cause it was on campus and he like had us talk and he, you know, her and I just decided we're going to work together. And, you know, at the time, again, I had no experience with therapy outside of what I saw on TV. So for me, it was like, okay, this is the person that's available. This is the person that's <laughs> going to be the person that hears me out. And I'm so desperate in to get my feelings out that I need to just be okay with whoever this is. Yeah. Um, she was a very kind woman. Um, and we got along fine. She, she definitely made room for me, made space for me, which I really appreciated. Um, and it was the first time where I just felt seen by someone, uh, that wasn't my partner or tied to me as like a family member, like my mom or somebody. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it was, it was different, but it also felt nice to just be able to like lay out all the stuff I was feeling and also just like be able to walk away from that. Like there was a, a room for me to do that and then be able to come back every week. Yeah. Um, for sure. So I did that for a couple of months and then I didn't go back to therapy until my mid twenties and I've been in therapy ever since. So I, what would we say? It's what? 25, 26, 26. Yeah. So I've been in therapy, um, four for four years now and I've had a couple of therapists, um, and I've learned a lot through going through a couple of therapists in that process, um, that I think we should dive into on like maybe some tips on how to go about the process of looking for a therapist, because I think the biggest thing that comes up within our own network is like, I think one within our communities, it's like, it's taboo. Nobody yeah. talks about it. Right. So like normalizing it is like a big thing. Yeah. Like being able to talk about it. I know for me, like I made a decision a long time ago where I'm very open about therapy and I'm just like, yeah, I go to therapy. I love my therapist. I just kind of slip it in conversation if it comes up and I don't have any shame around that. Like I'm very much comfortable and I've normalized that in a way that has opened the door for people to be, get curious or ask me questions. Yeah. And I found that like once I unlearned some of those um, stigmas that I had in my mind and I really went into therapy and, and just opened up. And now that, you know, I talk to people, even people who I don't even really know that, that well, that I'm like, oh yeah, like my therapist says this, or, you know what I learned from my therapist or whatnot. And what I found is that people get really vulnerable. They're like, you know, I've been meaning to find a therapist, you know, mm -hmm. and, and then they'll ask you a question. Um, it's just about being vulnerable and, and normalizing that. Mm -hmm. Totally. And that's, that's definitely led to a lot of people, um, whether it's friends, coworkers to then go and pursue that yeah. and ask for tips and stuff. And so, you know, along the years, I've just really thought about that because I get asked that question so much about like, where do you start? Mm. Um, and that's a really important question. And so the thing I want to say about therapy is that we need to not only normalize it, but you need to look at therapy as like dating. Like 
you need to put in the work to find your match. You need to put in the work to find somebody that matches your energy. And you also need to do the taking inventory on what it is that you're actually looking for to get out of therapy. And so I would say that before starting anything, um, talk about it with people that have made it comfortable or have shared that they are in therapy to start like sharing some ideas on their experiences. Cause I think it's helpful to hear about other people's experience to kind of give you a heads up of what to expect, but at the same time, not allowing people's experience to just weigh you down into like thinking that therapy is going to be X, you know, a certain type of way for you just because it was for them. Yeah. So, so, so then key thing one is understand or have a goal outlined of what you want to accomplish in therapy so that when you reach out to a potential therapist, you can let them know, hi, my name is so-and-so, you know, I'm looking for a therapist to work, blah, blah, blah. Here are the things that I want to work on. Here's some examples of things that could be goals for you to work on. This is me saying this off the top of my brain. So it isn't things that it's not necessarily things that Jess and I have worked on, but it's just, I'm trying to find like a variety of things that could be applicable across a broad range. So one is I'm, I'm coming to terms with my identity. Mm-hmm. I came out and I'm coming to terms with that. Mm-hmm. I'm going through a divorce or I went through a divorce. Mm-hmm. I'm going through a loss. Mm-hmm. I am looking for ways to manage my anxiety. I'm looking for ways to manage my depression. Imposter syndrome. Imposter syndrome. I feel worthlessness. Dealing with past trauma that's coming up. Mm -hmm. You've ended a relationship. You started a new relationship. Something major. You moved. Yeah. You got a new job and you're trying to, you know, work through that. Mm -hmm. It can be anything. Anything that's on your mind. So it's like looking within to really understand what is the purpose of you actually going to therapy and making sure that's at the forefront of the conversation that you're going to have with these therapists. And, and the most important thing from that is like one, knowing what it is that actually you want to get out of therapy, but also having requirements and deal breakers. What I mean by that as requirements, I, Again, it's like dating and Steph just mentioned like something that she needs in order in, in a therapist. So for me, I also need my therapist to identify as a woman. I also um, prefer someone who's a queer woman of color. Yes, I agree. I find that for me, and I've had therapists of all different cultures and I've had pleasant experiences. I have shitty experiences. Um, I find for me that it's super, super, super important for me to be able to connect with my therapist and for us to share multiple identities with one another, meaning that they understand what it's like to be a woman. They understand what it's like to be a queer woman. They understand what it's like to be a woman of color. Because for me, I used to go into these conversations because a lot of what I work on therapy, me being vulnerable here, is being a queer woman of color in these white spaces, specifically like my Latinx culture. And there's a lot of times that I'm expressing that and I'm talking about white people specifically 
where I'm uncomfortable because they make me feel a certain way. And I don't want to limit myself in how I express myself because my therapist is white and might get, take offense to that. Mm-hmm. That was always my thing. And so as I started becoming more comfortable, that's the things I started my, like talking with my therapist about. I'll get into that in a second. So knowing what your requirements are, like who does your therapist need to be in order for you to feel the most comfortable? Where do they need to be located? Remember, you want to make sure that this is sustainable for you, not only financially. So like requirements on like price range, what can you afford? Because when you start therapy, almost every therapist is going to want to see you every week. That's not always, you know, possible from a financial perspective, but when you start therapy, they typically want to create rapport with you. So they're going to ask that you see them every week for like a month or two. So just keeping that in mind from a financial perspective Mm -hmm. on like saving up to do that. And then you can go and request biweekly or whatever works for you guys. So those are the type of requirements like, okay, so who's the therapist? Where are they located? How much do they cost? Um, do they, do they see, do they require all of their sessions to be in person mm-hmm. or will they also do them, um, over video? Yeah. Cause that may, that may, if you find a therapist that like their bio really speaks to you, but they're really far away and you're, and you have a space where you feel comfortable being yourself and being able to talk to them over video that might help you um, be able to pick that therapist. So like what sort of options do they offer for their sessions? Right. Uh, One thing I should say um, is that from the cost perspective, it's just, it's, it's really unfortunate that a lot of like the therapists out there don't take insurance. That's what I've found. Mm -hmm. And you, it has to come out of pocket unless you work for a company that partners up with like, a lira or something like that, um, that, that provides you a certain amount of sessions for free for free throughout the year. Um, but one of the requirements there for you might be like that the therapist has to take your insurance or that the therapist has to stay under a certain amount or that they cut you a deal. So I just like putting that out there because I know that that's one of the biggest questions I get. Like, how do you find therapists? Like, how is it like everybody's, everybody's situation is different. But I found that I've paid out of pocket for therapists because I've needed to, like I, they just haven't taken insurance. And I've also been privileged enough to have those services that, you know, provide some free sessions to get you started. Yeah. So those are, those are some of the requirements. Did I miss any that you want to touch on before I go into the deal breakers? So, um, something for me, which is important and I've been through enough therapists where um, I know some of the lingo where I can ask them. Um, We'll talk about initial consultations, but when you can, where I can ask them in their initial consultation, like what's the style of like therapy that you practice? But in like, if you haven't gone through therapy, but you understand what you're trying to get out of therapy and the things that have been the most helpful for you, you're able to ask those questions of the therapist or say to them, this is the way that I process and this is the way that I learn and this would be most helpful for me. Is this in line with the style of therapy that you practice? So to give a more concrete example, 
I, I saw a therapist where all I did was just talk and talk and talk and talk. And that was helpful at that point because this therapist helped me to process my feelings and validated my feelings. And that's what I needed. But I am now at a point of my life where the past two therapists that I've seen, it's been really important for them to provide me with frameworks and labels to things so that I can be able to label my feelings and have a framework for how to process um, those emotions. So that's something that I state upfront whenever I'm having an initial consultation with a therapist is, hey, in my previous um, therapy relationships, something that I, has been very helpful and that I'm looking for in my next therapist is for framework. So I love, I love handouts. I love mm -hmm. uh, one-sheeters of frameworks. I love exercises that to be done in therapy that then I can practice on my own. I love all sorts of tools and resources like that because I have a hard time processing my feelings and I suppress. And when I have the, the framework and the toolkit, it helps me to build my toolbox mm -hmm. of the things that I have in order to process. So you don't have to know all of the lingo, all of the different styles, but if you know what would be the most helpful for you, that's something that you can communicate to the therapist, right? Like if maybe for you, you just need someone, you're saying, you know, I need some, I need, I need to be able to flesh out my feelings and process them with you and understand where those are coming from and what they are. Is this in line with the style of therapy that you practice? Like that's that you can ask that question. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I completely agree with that, which sparked up another thought on you mentioned like the bios of these people. I think that uh, a good rule of thumb when you're looking for someone as part of your requirements is to do your homework on them and see the different types of clients and specialties they have mm -hmm. focused on. So like for me, I like seeing that my therapist um, has worked with um, the LGBTQ community, you yep, know, um, has worked with um, same-sex couples or, you know, um, looked at things within like the intersectional lens. Like they, they, they just completely match up to all the things that I'm looking to talk about. Um, and when I see those key words and I see their receipts, yeah, I feel more comfortable starting a conversation with them. Yeah. When they're using the terminology that speaks to you and you can gather a lot from those um, bios because therapists will tell you the types of populations that they've typically worked in their specialties um, in terms of um, what they do. They'll sometimes even tell you like the different styles of therapy that they mix together or practice that you can do some research on. Um, if you're religious, there are some therapists I've seen that will share, like, I work with these particular populations, uh, you know, in terms of religion and you might feel more comfortable with that. So the bios help for you to be able to screen mm -hmm. therapists based on what you're looking for and what would be the best match. Yep. Tell me about them deal breakers. I think the deal breakers are just the opposite of your requirements. I was just like thinking about it. And it's like, for me, deal breakers are like people who don't match up at all with my identities because I just don't feel like I can connect or like they'll understand where I'm coming from. And it's not necessarily, I shouldn't say that. It's not necessarily that they won't understand where I'm coming from. It's that I'm going to have to explain it more. 
and I'm going to spend more time in therapy explaining certain terminology or feelings to someone who just doesn't understand that. And so for me, that's, that's a deal breaker for me. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. What we were just saying, like somebody who has no expertise in what I'm, what I'm looking for. Like if you don't have never worked with like queer people, that's going to be hard for me to be able to like, I don't want to be your first person that you're going to like take a stab at on like queer life you know, for me, that's, yeah. I'd just rather not be the guinea pig in that. Um, especially when I'm paying hourly for something that should be where I can just drop it and you can provide me with some guidance. Um, yeah. I think you can also gather the um, deal breaker from the initial consultation. And if they don't have an initial consultation, that might be a deal, a deal breaker a within itself. We've had that. So, <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, somebody there, who won't even give me five minutes to like talk through that. So there are a number of therapists out there who will offer a free 15 minute or 10 minute consultation mm-hmm. where they will hop on the phone with you to introduce themselves, talk about their style of therapy, talk about the way that they approach things, talk about um, your expectations from therapy, how the first couple of sessions will go, just to like get to know each other mm-hmm. um, and talk to each other before you make a decision and they make a decision on whether you're a good fit to work with each other. So if that's something that's really important to you. If you come across a therapist that says, I don't do initial consultations, mm-hmm. then, you know, that's a deal breaker for you. Yeah, it's definitely a deal breaker. That's a good point. Thank well, you for reminding me that. Of course. Or that happened. <laughs> or if you go through the initial consultation and the, the, the therapist bio seemed great and whatnot, and you're talking to them, and you're just not feeling it, like their energy is just like not there, or maybe they're cutting you off, mm-hmm. or um, they're delving more into like how they typically handle their sessions, and it's just like just not, not matching. Not matching. You're yeah, that's a good one. You know, like it's okay for you at that point to be like, you know what. I don't think that this, this style of therapy necessarily aligns with what I'm looking for. Yup. And availability. That's also a thing. Like if they're not matching up with your, like, don't force it. Like if you don't think you can swing an 11 on a Wednesday, every week, just don't even try. Like, like obviously go in with an open mind and like, if you are well established where you're working and you're confident in like setting that boundary at work and saying like, I'm taking this one and a half hour every week to make sure that I get to therapy when we go back to work. Um, which I used to do, like I used to leave in the middle of the day. I think my, my therapy session was like 1130 on like a Wednesday. Um, luckily it was a few stops from work, but it, it's just super important to have in mind like what your availability is because it should work for you too. Like it's not a one way thing, uh, which I think segues into like the consultation and like the, the way to go about it or like our, our tips in that. 
Um, you want me to start? I can kind of dive into like what I think. You You're so do. excited. Go ahead. <laughs> if you want to dive in, go for it. No, I just love to see you so excited oh, about because it. Because I love this topic. I think that for me, therapy has changed my life. And yeah. I want to be able to share these things with people that are interested in like can change theirs. And I wish somebody would have been there for me in that way to give me these tips. Yeah. But it's been great to like learn and like even before recording this, I started writing a bunch of shit because I didn't want to forget. And I'm like, I want to make sure that we give as much information on this as possible. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now that you've put me on the spot. <laughs> um, so we've given you requirements, deal breakers, um, our experience with like therapy, um, taking inventory on what you're looking for now is a part where you're like going out there to look for a therapist, which can be probably the most overwhelming part because again, not a lot take insurance. If that's the route you're going, um, you don't even know where to look for a therapist. Like what website? There's so many, which one is actually like valid, which one's going to give me the best options. Um, and so, um, there's so many out there. I do want to shout out one that I've been sharing with my network um, as of the last few months. It's called Open Path Collective. It was recommended to me by our friend, Elisa. Uh, so shout out to her. I think her friend recommended to her and it's just been going down. And I know a couple of people have actually used it and found the therapist. So that's amazing. Um, but there are so many. So like making, you know, asking if you're working and your employer provides something or going through your insurance or again, talking to your community, what are they using? Um, there's a lot of new startups that are trying to launch, um, um, networks like, um, networks of like psychotherapy and collectives for, people of color. So like, yeah. look out for that. Like that's what you should be typing out in your Google search. Um, but open path collective it's, um, they, they allow you to search by, you know, race, sexual orientation, like ability, ethnicity, all that stuff. And it's a sliding scale. So you can find a therapist, you know, that works for you. Um, I haven't personally used it, but I've heard good things. So I wanted to start off by like shouting that out to give people something to like yeah. look for um so you get on you find you find a therapist my my biggest rule for like finding therapists is I always find three like I always need to find three people that I want to interview that's how I see it it's an interview process like I reach out and the things I ask is do they you know if I'm going through insurance are you do you take my insurance how much do you cost um do you, are you taking new clients Yes. Um, what type of availability, availability do you have? And then I say, do you have time for a 15 minute chat? Cause it t typically takes 15, 20 minutes, maybe even less. Um, and once you schedule that, the things that you should be asking are everything that we just discussed, like the style, like what you're looking for. Um, you know, all your requirements, make sure that you're being, you know, affirmed by them to make sure that it actually matches. And to what Steph was saying, make sure the energy is matching and that you're just feeling them out and understanding like, do they sound like they are experts in this field? Does it sound, you know, 
do they have experience in what I'm actually looking for? Um, is it in my budget range? Like what are their expectations of me? Right. Like, so it's the Steph was talking about like frameworks. If that's important to you, you need to say that up front and say like, you know, I've had experience with therapy, you know, this is what I, I need frameworks and validation. I need this. And they will be able to tell you then and there if that works for them or not, because the worst thing you want to do is just schedule something with someone and then end up paying for that session. And they don't even match you in that way mm -hmm. where they're mm -hmm. just like listening or asking you questions. Um, Remind me to talk about expectation setting in, in a few. Okay. <laughs> expectation setting. Um, and so, yeah, it's so important. Again, it's like dating. It's, it's so important to like get on the phone, get on video chat with this person and, and, and really talk to them and, and see, listen to your body. Are you feeling it? Like, are you really feeling it? Are you willing to move forward? Are they matching everything you need on your requirements or at least some of what you need? Mm -hmm. And so the reason I like to have three is because I want to be able to compare because, um, you want to make sure you have options with that and that you're interviewing as many people as possible to lead you to the best possible um, option for you. Why are you laughing? I'm laughing because my method is completely different than yours. <laughs> you're so just like, I like you. I'm going. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I, so this is, this is my method and I will share. I draft my email. I introduce myself. Hi, my name is blah, 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 blah. Two lines about me. Here are the things that I'm looking to accomplish in therapy, three to four bullet points. Mm -hmm. Here are some questions I have for you. Do you take X and Y in terms of like insurance or, yeah. or whatnot? Uh, are you taking new clients? What are the current available hours that you have for those new clients? Do you offer like a, you know, can we hop on a 10 minute call? So right? basically what I just said. I, yeah, I, <laughs> I, draft, I draft that email. I find a number of therapists. Mm -hmm. I email those therapists. Whoever responds back from that batch, <laughs> I will have calls with them. But if I, if you're the first person that I talk to and I had a good feeling about it, I'm going, I'm moving forward with you. You're not even going to give the other person a shot, even if it's right after. My intuition is yeah. strong and I trust it. Yeah. And just as a little side note, we got married at the first venue that we saw because my intuition was strong. And I said, this is the one <laughs> just forced me to go look at other venues. Yeah. And none of them. Same were, with your wedding dress, right? My wedding dress. The first dress I tried on felt really good. So I was like, this is the one I want. Everyone was like, well, how could you do this? Try on other dresses. So I tried on other dresses and I was like, I told you, it's the first one. <laughs> I'm surprised you applied to more than one college. <laughs> yeah, me too. Why did I do that? Uh, I'm just kidding. Um, okay, so then that's it. That once you feel good with them, you're, you just go with them, huh? I go with it. I love it. You mentioned expectations. What did you want to touch on that with that? So before I do that, another way that you can find therapists outside of a Google search, and I've done this mm -hmm. for, I think I did this for you, mm -hmm. um, is if you know a friend who is currently in therapy, you can ask them to ask their therapists if they have mm -hmm. people in their network Yeah, they're based on what you're looking for, right? If you're like, hey, I'm, I'm, I would really love to see like a therapist that's a woman of color, mm -hmm. could you ask your therapist if they know of any others in their network that, you yeah. know, they can provide the contact information to? And my former therapist has done that. Like she sent me an email with like three to four therapists that could be yeah, potentially yeah, a good, a good fit. 
Yeah, that was super helpful. And so you could also do that. And that's a way to like get essentially, because I feel like therapists have like this tight community and they Mm -hmm. refer people to each other and whatnot. Um, So that's another way to, to do that. So we're asking that. your we're asking your friends and your network like we found our therapist now through a friend yeah um so I'm super grateful to them for that yeah but expectations expectations or if if I, I just reminded me of something <laughs> if you know someone that has it that is going through therapy if their therapist is part of a practice um yeah. what the name of that practice is because then you could reach out to those other therapists. Yeah, And that's how I found my, so Jess found her therapist through a friend that goes to a therapist at this and, practice. And then, yeah. and then Jess found a different therapist at that practice. And then I found a, a different therapist mm-hmm. at that practice. So just having the name of the practice was super helpful to, to reach out. Yeah. It's all, I mean, that's the beauty about like having community. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah. Um, expectation setting is this. When you go into your first sessions of therapy. So you've found your therapist, you maybe had your intro call or not, um, your initial consultation. So now you're having your first couple of sessions. They might be awkward. Mm -hmm. You may feel like you walked out of the first two sessions and maybe you feel like, well, I didn't learn anything. Mm -hmm. Right. But that's okay because you're getting to know your therapist and your therapist is getting to know you. And so they might be trying to gauge one, an intake of like your history, who you are, or they might just be starting the first couple of sessions with like, tell me what's going on. What's top of mind. And for you, it may feel like you're just babbling things out, Mm -hmm. but they may be looking for like patterns and things or like understanding um, sort of where you're at at the moment. So those first one to two sessions may feel really awkward, but that's okay. Yeah. Um, at the same time, if you're just walking away from those sessions, not feeling good, it's also okay to give your therapist feedback mm-hmm. and say, Hey, I know in the last two sessions, um, you know, I shared, you know, X and Y and Z. I would really love moving forward if, you know, we could tackle that a little bit more or like delve mm-hmm. deeper into that. Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely about feeling it out and also taking it a step further. If after a few sessions, you're just not feeling it, you don't have to stay in it. If you, you don't, don't have want to see to. a therapist. Yeah. You, I know the process to like find another one sounds like really tiring, Annoying. but it's important yeah. to like listen to your intuition and like make sure that you're getting the most out of it because you are investing in that yeah, exactly. for yourself. Yep. So. Yeah. I think that was the last note on my book. (laughs) (laughs) She brought a whole book with her. I checked off everything, I think. I think it's important to just say for those who may be thinking the way that I thought a long time ago, it's okay to go to therapy. Mm -hmm. It's okay to take care of yourself in that way. Mm Mm-hmm. It's okay to be able to take that space for yourself mm-hmm. to take care of your mental health and to process whatever it is that you need to process. Mm-hmm. And if you feel that that's what you need and that it's right for you, it doesn't matter what 
how other people may perceive it, mm-hmm. especially those who are close to you. Right. Because there's still a lot of stigma around therapy. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And therapy isn't just for those who identify as female. Right. It's for everyone. It's for everyone. It's not just for adults. It's for kids too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I know it, like with this whole thing, I know it's tough. I've, I've talked to people who've just had shitty ass experiences with therapists. I've had, I've had shitty experiences with therapists. Like I had one therapist that I went to like three times and I just had to stop because I was just like, this, this person is like not helpful and it's more harmful for me to be here than, than not. So, um, it's not easy. It's not an easy process. Again, it's kind of like dating and I hear dating is not an easy process nowadays. So just look at it in that way. Um, I'm laughing at something else. Uh, well, you can share that, I guess, in a sec. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'd say just have an open mind and I hope that these tips are helpful in starting that process. I also want to say that like, this is our experience with, um, therapists, social workers, like psychologists, not psychiatrists, because I've heard shitty ass experiences with psychiatrists. I don't know anything about that world. Um, and that's completely, completely but different. But if it works for you and you want to explore it, yeah. by all means, Absolutely. psychiatrists are able to prescribe. Yeah. Medication. Right. Yeah. Totally. And again, do what you got to do. I just want to make that note that like, this is our experience within this, yeah. this realm. Um, because I know that it's different depending on like the type of doctor yeah. and all that. And there's more than one type of therapy. So you could go to individual therapy. You can also go to couples therapy. Mm-hmm. There is nothing wrong with going to couples therapy. It doesn't mean that your relationship is ending or about to end. And the best time to go to couples therapy might just be to be like, when I want to make sure good. that we're communicating. I want to make sure that like we have a space where we can, you know, just hash things out and have someone there to, you know, help us with like exercises and whatnot. You can also go to family therapy. Mm -hmm. Like there's nothing wrong with going to therapy. It doesn't mean that you're broken, that your relationship is broken, that your family's broken. It, it, it might be that, that, that there is some brokenness, right. And you, and that's the cause for you to go to therapy. That's okay too. But just because you go, doesn't mean that there's something incredibly wrong. I feel like people who are in relationships are scared to say that they go to um, marriage counseling or couples therapy. Cause it, you know, it immediately raises red flags. Like, Oh my gosh, what's going on. But it's right. like, no, that, that's actually when I hear people say like, we're going through, um, couples counseling. I'm like, that's amazing. That's great. Like, yeah, that's what you should be doing. Yeah. I think, I think it's super, I mean, therapy is just part of my lifestyle now. Um, and I'm super privileged to have that, but I think that therapy individual therapy, couples therapy, marriage therapy, like, I think it just makes you more aware of your shit, if anything, right? Like if anything, it's going to provide you with some clarity. We all have trauma. We all have gone through shit. We all like replicate a lot of what we've seen. We make a lot of our parents' mistakes and we don't really reflect on that stuff while we're trying to like grow, right? Or, or, Or go through life through life when you're from a kid to to if you go to college it's it's all structured for you you're like your goals are like make it to the next grade get a job do all this stuff and so we're kind of distracted by all of that shit and then when you're done with it shit hits the fan because you start like 
things start coming up for you as you get older or you go through a, a, a big life change. You get married, you move, you move, you have, have kids, child, yeah. you get a divorce, you stop talking to friends, you, you know, you have, um, you realize, you know, have maybe some identity conflict, like whatever it is, like it all stems back to like shit that happened to us as children. And that's for everyone. So if you're someone who doesn't believe in therapy or you're in a relationship with someone that doesn't believe in it or your parents don't believe it or your community doesn't believe it, like just know that like just because they don't believe doesn't mean it's not helpful and it's Mm -hmm. not like a real thing. Yeah. Because as much as people don't admit it, like we all need a little therapy in our life, regardless if it's like a professional or within like a friend group or a community, like we all lean on someone to provide us with validation, to provide us with insight, to provide us with, with relief, that, with relief. And for me, I've just seen it as like, I'm going to this professional who studied like the human mind and how like humans work. And there's, they have the terminology for me that I might not. Toolkit. Right. And so going to these, these places where like, I'm going to tell you all this stuff and you're going to help me put the pieces together for my life. Like that's beautiful. If you think about it. It is. And yeah. once you start building on that, like for me, it's, it's clarity. I've, I've learned so much about myself in the last four years that I have my whole life because I've dealt with my shit and yeah. I've been able to talk to someone who can put, give me the, the toolkit and the, and the labels and all the shit that I needed to like find like truth in myself. Yeah. And you entering into therapy doesn't mean that you're committing to that for life. You know, you can enter into therapy to work on two to three to four things. And once you get to the point where you feel that you're in a good place, you you can stop going until the next thing, right? You can stop going until you're, until you're like, okay, there's some stuff resurfacing or there's a couple of extra things that I want to work on. Or you can reduce the amount of times that you see your, therapist so it isn't like i'm entering therapy once a week now this is once a week for the rest of my life yeah that's totally up to you i mean that's just my preference um to have to have that outlet but that you're completely right like that doesn't have to be that and and touching back onto like the couples counseling the marriage therapy like i think that's super important like for couples to do especially long-term couples like you and I have been together, we're going on, what, nine years now? Like, I've never had a relationship that long. And so we're entering new stages together, right? We've been together from like our early 20s now into our 30s. Like, we're evolving as human beings. And we're not always going to see eye to eye. So it's important for, like, couples who are in long-term relationships or who are just starting or whatever to be able to have a space where they can deal with conflict in a safe way or mm-hmm. in a way that again, provides them with tools to be better for themselves. Because when you go to individual therapy, you're being better for yourself, which means you can be better to the your loved ones. And then you can be better within your own relationship. And the mm-hmm. same, it, it's an extra layer when you go into couples counseling or family therapy. It's like, now you guys can speak the same language because a lot of the time you're not speaking the same language. Well, you're coming from a place of um, triggers and trauma. And you're having a bunch of trauma responses. Right. And you're gaslighting each other and you're 
shaming each other and you never get anywhere. You never deal with the source of the thing, of the problem, because you're not seeing each other. And so yeah. I think it's so important to go check in with someone if you have the privilege to do that, if you have the 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 the, um, the financial the financials to do that, um, the resources to do that, because in my opinion, I think that it, it's just going to help you get clarity on not only matching up with your partner, your family, but also like understanding if that's even working anymore. Yeah. Right. Because sometimes we just don't want to like see the truth in something. And it, it takes you sitting in a room with someone else who being like, Hey, y'all hate each other, <laughs> you know, or you're Dang. not, but, but you know what I'm saying? Like you guys aren't seeing eye to eye and you refuse to do that. There's some people out there who refuse to like want to like work on something and they don't see it because they're so in to, in with their shit. I mean, some people go to therapy to uncouple. Yeah, to there's, separate there's to, a thing for that too. Yeah, so therapy can serve a lot of purposes depending on where you are in life. I will also say if you're listening to this and you're like, this all sounds great, I'm super intrigued, but I don't have the financial means to go to a, a therapist right now. Um there are podcasts that you can listen to um, that are uh, done by actual therapists. So they can provide you with those toolkits. Like it's not a one-to-one -one conversation, but they can provide you with um, the, oh, yeah. the tools that you need and the frameworks to process emotions. Um, so that's one thing. There are workshops that are done that may be more affordable than going into long, you know, long-term care with a, a therapist. Um, my former therapist did a, um, workshop based on Brene Brown's book, Rising Strong. And that's how I came to learn about Brene Brown. And I got so many tools from that specific workshop. So, you know, if, if you, if you don't have the means to enter long-term therapy, you can go to a workshop, you can listen to, um, podcasts. If there's like specific things that you perhaps want to learn about or uncover, you can Google that. And there are therapists who offer free resources on their um, websites. Yeah, hit for up the you library. To, to explore, yeah. So if you're interested in reparenting, mm -hmm. um, in inner child work, mm -hmm. there are therapists that will put frameworks up in terms of here are the steps that you can follow to delve into that and to address that. So that's also a, a tidbit if you're feeling discouraged because you're like, this sounds amazing, but I can't do it. Yeah. You can do it in other ways. There's also cheaper options like Talkspace. Like there's apps out there that um, provide like text messaging therapy, mm -hmm. which lower the cost dramatically. I, yeah. I haven't used it. I know friends who've used it, so checking that out. But like I just said, utilizing like free resources like the library, like finding... Brene Brown books at the library or other authors that provide those books of that specific thing you're looking for um, is such a great tool. One other thing I want to go back to is I also suggest if you're going to do marriage counseling or family counseling, don't use the same individual therapist that you see to. They typically won't do it either. But there's some people that do. And so I just advise against that. <laughs> I think then that makes that person very biased um, so just something to look out for, but 
outside of that, yeah, I think all those resources are, are super key um, for people to know. Yeah. Hope you found this helpful. I found it helpful. I'm talking to the listeners. <laughs> I, I know. That's what I'm saying. I hope everyone found it helpful because I found it helpful. Um, yeah. It was actually nice to like reflect back on like our journey through therapy and understanding how far we, we've. My funny journey. We've come a long way. We've come a long way. Yeah. Um, to how we, how we saw therapy, how we, how we were in therapy, like, um, how we had some bad therapists, how we had some good therapists, how we've kind of come to the point where we're like, we know what we want. And that's, that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. So yes, I hope everyone found it helpful. Um, please hit us up. Um, if you have any questions on this topic, but we look forward to diving into more things like this. Thanks for listening. Yes. Till next time. Bye. Peace.